Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to a new stretch of must-have seen TV episodes. Before we get started this time, I just want to take care of some business first. Let you know what's going on with the podcast. First of all... Pride Month is coming up. June is going to be a special Pride Month for Must Have Seen TV, talking about gay episodes of sitcoms of the 20th century from the 70s, 80s, 90s, etc., where a gay comes into an episode for a week, the entire cast freaks out, and then they leave never to be seen again. <laughs> I love these episodes, as problematic as they may be, or as progressive as they may be, surprisingly. We're going to learn a lot, we're going to talk about a lot, and it's going to be a gay old time. I should probably do the Flintstones on the podcast at some point. Next, I also want to just take a little second to pay tribute, pay audio tribute to the people that we've lost since I lasted an episode, which include the great Georgia Engel of the Mary Tyler Moore Show, uh, Doris Day of the Doris Day Show, Tim Conway of Carol Burnett. It has been a rough spring and early summer um but if you want to see and watch any of their work i highly suggest you stream the mary tyler moore show the from season i think three on four on when georgia engel joined the cast as the brilliant georgette baxter uh that's on hulu and if you have amazon prime video you can stream the doris day show and a whole bunch of carol burnett show so please go check that out also for tim conway i highly highly suggest watching the Paul Lind Halloween special, even if it isn't Halloween, because it is brilliant, and he is in it as a big, burly truck driver. Uh, We actually also talk about Tim Conway peripherally in this week's episode, because he is part of an episode of Match Game where Jim Neighbors from The Andy Griffith Show and Tim Conway, Vicky Lawrence, and Carol Burnett all crash the Match Game set, and it is great, and you can find that on YouTube. (laughs) I also want to just take a moment to thank people that have left reviews in iTunes for the show gotten two so far this year so i just want to thank norn cutson who writes i'm not someone who watches a lot of tv but the tv that i watch i'm devoted to exclamation point i love to talk about it i love to think about it and i appreciate others who do i've been binging this podcast and it's been so enjoyable thank you norn cutson a very very asgardian sounding name i will take this as an endorsement from the halls of valhalla uh, and then Stats1203 writes, um, This is a fun, charismatic podcast where knowledgeable people who love 20th century sitcoms chop it up and keep everyone engaged. Love all the cool unknown facts and trivia that Brett and his guests present in addition to the subtle things about each episode that they notice. Love it from a writer's and viewer's perspective. As a request, can I ask for Who's the Boss Season 1 Episode 17 entitled Eye on Angela to be reviewed? It is available to stream on Crackle. Thanks for all the great content. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely do that. 
for sure. That will be a summer thing. I'll try to get to that in July uh, because I am now working on, again, Pride Month in June. So without further ado, let's get into this week's talk about The Andy Griffith Show and a couple of fun girls. Judy, 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 it's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century. From I Love Lucy to News Radio, I'm your TV guy, Brett White, and I'm also a reporter, producer for TheSider.com. This week, I am joined by, from the Hard Times podcast, and a writer for With Spandex at UpRocks.com, Al Collins. Judy, Judy, I can't do it. I don't... <laughs> Is that a thing? So uh, impersonating Cary Grant by by repeating the name Judy was a thing. Okay, <laughs> but he never. It was. It's one of those like mythical things. He never does that in a movie. What movie is that supposedly from? There's some movie that he was in with a Judy, but he never. He never did that thing. Uh, well, I mean, like learning all sorts of things <laughs> on this week. Uh, yeah. So welcome to the podcast. Well, those two things that I uh, introduced you with are wrestling. Endeavors. Yes. Yes. Professional wrestling endeavors. Uh, but you're also big into comic books, mm-hmm. which uh, is my other love. Yes. <laughs> we both sort of came from the same world of uh, comic book blogging of, a yeah. few years ago that is no longer exactly functional like it once was. No, and it was barely functional then. <laughs> true. Like, true. I, I am so, I count myself so like hashtag blessed that I'm not in that right now. Oh, same. Jesus, totally same. Like, the amount of like dust ups that get kicked up nowadays, I'm like, I am so glad <laughs> I'm in TV writing, which is for is somehow <laughs> less hectic. How is the world of like wrestling journalism? Um, it can be fractious, but it's it's mostly fun. I like it. I I generally like it better than better than comics, which okay. has less to do with. It's not that I like wrestling more than I like comic books. It's just that the community is, uh, as the kids would say, actually, no, I was going to say the community is less toxic, but there's still plenty of toxicity <laughs> in wrestling, but it's less widespread. They haven't, um, f- they haven't figured out how to find each other yet or like amplify each well, other's I think voices. It's that, it's that in wrestling, we still have the sort of conservative elements who are, mm-hmm. who are toxic because they hate everyone who's not like them. Yeah. That exists in comics too. But in wrestling, the other, like the opposite ideology, has yet to has yet to go sour. Okay, where you you know you don't have the the kids who will who will police every little thing you yeah, say for for proving you problematic. If you did something wrong ten years ago, you should be crucified. Right, nowadays, exactly, yeah. etc. See if if people in wrestling fandom did that, there would be no wrestlers that it was okay to like. <laughs> so you just have to let it go. No, um, but this week we're going to be traveling to April thirteenth, nineteen sixty four. Another movie, The Carpetbaggers, uh, rolled the box office. Can't Buy Me Love by the Beatles topped the charts. And I think this might be the first Beatles song I've referenced on this podcast. Interesting. I don't know. I guess I'm just not doing many songs, many episodes from, like, 1964. Like, their big reign. So, that's wild. Uh, And CBS aired the Andy Griffith Show episode, Fun Girls. L. you must have seen Fun Girls before today. Yes. (laughs) I have specific memories of watching Fun Girls uh, in like 5 p.m. reruns with my dad when I was a kid and thinking it was really funny. 
Yeah. Uh, not like I watch it now, and I realize there are so many implications that I did not understand when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, but it remains really funny. Well, what is? Wait, so where did you grow up? You're in Tennessee now. I grew up in Tennessee. Okay, yeah. Up, so I grew up in Tennessee. Yeah, I grew up actually. My dad was a state park manager, so I grew up like on the grounds of a state park, oh, uh, wow. right outside of Morristown, Tennessee. Oh wow! So um, we were talking about this beforehand of like how Andy Griffith is such a dad show. Because, like, is that your history with Andy Griffith, like, it being the dad show? <laughs> Basically, yeah. My dad would watch it almost every day. Like, he would come home from work uh, and usually, like, sit on the couch and drink a beer and watch the Andy Griffith show before, like, dinner time. And I was usually around and a lot of times would watch it with him. What other shows were there? Like, did you, was the Andy Griffith show, like, the, the show? I mean, or... it was definitely the show that I watched with my dad. We would... Also probably watched Nick at Night, but that yeah. was like, you know, later and less like a time when we were always sitting around. And I don't think, I don't, Andy Griffith didn't hit Nick at Night until a little bit later, I don't think. Because I think Andy Griffith was so firmly entrenched in like, the NBC affiliate was running that at 5pm. Like, yeah. it was yeah. such a major network. Like, Nick at Night had the shows that were like, a half step past that. Like, they may have yeah. been out of rotation a little bit. Um, so Andy Griffith was always like a major network rerun show and my dad would just watch it all the time and I guess maybe it's because he liked it I was just always like no (laughs) I don't want to watch that but it's it is such a it is so like idyllic south like yeah it's and it's very much like you know I'm from the very eastern edge of Tennessee mm-hmm. which is almost North Carolina so yeah, it's very yeah. much like Smoky Mountains Appalachia because this is set in North Carolina yeah and yeah it's very much I mean the world of Mayberry never really existed but like <laughs> the, that's the mythical version of basically the world that I grew up in did we edit that because so in the previous episode you can go back and listen to the episode I did with Ethan K about Andy Griffith show um like six or seven months ago uh I, I i don't know if he edited this out we got into a very long tear about how like the version of mayberry on this show never actually existed but there's like <laughs> and then sometimes i'm like i edit things out of the podcast where i'm like this episode is so long and this is starting to get very into like the weeds um but that's very true of like how this version of mayberry works just like all white people it's all white people and like that never existed and when people say we want to go back to like Mayberry it's like we want to go back to a thing that never existed but because this show was so popular and so ingrained in all of our brains we all like think that it did yeah it never did (laughs) like if you were I don't know like if you were gonna you could probably like go on Google and look up like North Carolina 1964 you'll see a lot of different kind of oh for sure on the other hand, like, I'm not going to defend, I'm certainly not going to defend the racial politics of the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> I mean, basically there aren't any because no, they just yeah. decided to avoid no, all that. they're not there. Uh, There's but, no one there. On the other hand, like, it is a real, like, Appalachian people are often kind of, you know, made fun of. And it's certainly not mm-hmm. equivalent to uh, the kind of oppressions that, like, people of color face. Oh, like, no. it's still solidly, like, white white privilege. It's cla- there's a lot a of classist thing. stuff going yeah. on with, like, you're from the hills, you're... Right, exactly. And there's still... But there's still kind of... Especially at that time, there was not any representation of, mm-hmm. like, southern Appalachian people. I mean, there was, like... The I'm not sure when the Beverly Hills. It's, started, it's but, at this time, and I, but it's so much. That's so much cartoonier. Yeah, it is very weird to compare and contrast the two of them because my dad also loved Beverly Hillbillies like so much, but they're so different. Yeah, and, and like in terms of like Andy Griffith show treats 
Andy and Barney, even Barney being a goofus, is still has like a sincerity to him. Yeah, he and, seems like a person. And I think part of that is that you know Andy Griffith was from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like Mayberry was kind of based on the area that he was from. Yeah. Uh, Don Knotts is from West Virginia. Oh yeah. And so there's a real there's a real authenticity to like the characters that they're playing and the the, the dialect that they do and you know the kind of uh, the way that they sort of come at that that. Appalachian culture. Like, they probably know that it's called a pool and not a cement pond. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Which is what my dad always said. Uh, So, yes, uh, this week on Must Have Seen TV, we're talking about the Andy Griffith Show episode, Fun Girls. It is the, oh my god, 27th episode of season four. (laughs) It was written by Aaron Rubin and directed by Kobe Ruskin. Here's how Netflix describes the episode, two gals interrupt Andy and Barney's late night work. Helen and Thelma see them and cancel their dates, so Barney and Andy take the other girls out. Oh, how accurate is that description? It's, it's technically accurate, but it leaves out a lot. Yeah, it really does. Like, it's actually kind of hard to follow what the plot is by that description. In a way, there's like there's a lot of there's a lot of like generic girls in that yeah. one line description. <laughs> yeah, just calling them gals really sells the fun girls short. Yeah, just just some gals. Uh, are they prostitutes? I'm just going to jump right uh, in the deep end there. <laughs> maybe. So this is actually their second appearance on the show. Okay, because, yeah, they do they do reference a previous... They're the girls from Mount... Mount Pilot. Mount, Pi- Pi- Mount Pilot. Um, and there was a previous episode, which I watched recently uh, because I was, you know, thinking about this. And uh, it's all about Andy. This was when Andy was... Before he started dating Helen, his girlfriend, okay. in this episode. He had a previous girlfriend whose name I don't remember, who was not as much of a character. Yeah. Sarah? No. Well, they had, no. She, he had a girlfriend in, like, the season one. Because the season one Christmas yeah. episode she's in, she sings, it is lovely. But then, like, they wrote her out almost immediately. Yeah. Um, and during that time with his previous girlfriend... There was an episode where she had a like a male friend from college visiting, and Andy gets jealous, and he goes to Barney, and Barney's like, "I'll set you up with some girls." And there's <laughs> they're only in one scene. The Andy and Barney go to Mount Pilot, and they meet these same two girls at a oh. diner, and they're like have they're eating with them at the diner, and the girls are like doing their shtick that they do in this episode, and then a big kind of like uh, palooka, like a big scary guy, <laughs> comes over and was like. Says to the girls, like, what are you doing out with these guys? You said you were busy tonight. And Andy ends up getting a black eye from him off screen. Like, he steps up like he's going to defend their honor. And then it cuts away. And you see him with a black eye. So this is very much like the writers loved those two actors so much. They're like, well, we have to bring them back. Yeah, I think so. Immediately. So the episode, of course, starts off with the opening credits, which are the opening credits. And do they ever change? I think they might have reshot it when Opie got older and like late, very late. It turns the show turns to color. Yeah. I think they might have reshot it, but I don't think they ever changed anything. I think it, it was always them walking down them the walking path to the fishing in, hole. Yeah, and it's it, even like it just says like the same three names, like Ronnie Howard, Andy Griffith, Don Knotts, Don, and also like Don Knotts is only on the first five seasons, right. which is so weird to think about how the show went three seasons past him. Yeah, like. It feels like that's like Kramer or Phoebe leaving the show. <laughs> like, he's the main draw, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, when they started the show, uh, I don't remember if y'all talked about this before, but, you know, Andy Griffith, as a comedian, was known for doing this kind of hillbilly character that yeah. was very funny. 
and he actually chose to be the straight man on this show so that Don Knotts could carry the that is so sweet. Carry the humor. So were they actually good friends? Did they still? Yeah, they. Okay. they, they kind of like Will. Um, kind of like a what's his name, Alan Young and and Bamboo Harvester, <laughs> <laughs> Mister Ed. And we discovered that Alan Young just kept going to visit Bamboo Harvester up until the horse's death. Uh, anyway, so the episode opens with them doing inventory, just really mundane work. Um, I clocked on the back wall. It's there's a there is a. Uh, newspaper framed that says Deputy Fife, Hero, and Cave Rescue, which is a callback to a previous episode I read on IMDb. Yes. Uh, I think it was it's... Andy and Helen that are trapped in the cave. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's a whole episode about the cave disaster. <laughs> well, it's called like Barney and the Cave Rescue or something. It's like the <laughs> name of the episode. It's like that's also basically the headline of this. That blows my mind that there was that kind of inter-series continuity mm-hmm. that they would do that. Like, that's some Marvel Cinematic Universe, like, Green Giant saves the Battle of New York or whatever kind of like connectivity. Yeah, I, and, and it's they, also so perfectly in character that Barney would want to put up the headline about how he's a hero, and yeah. Andy would let him. Yeah, oh, so sweet. So they're uh, they're doing inventory. There was a really like so. There's this whole riff up top um, about how like Barney knows how to sew and crochet, uh, and he says, "You say you mend those blankets?" Yeah. It's hard to keep up with him, but I stitch him up. Nights when time hangs heavy, I just take a needle and thread, saw him up. What, like, the lines on this show sometimes? Yeah. That is deep. <laughs> like, yeah. That is a heavy line. And I love that that whole, that whole run is Barney, like, bragging about having these skills that are coded as feminine. Yeah. And Andy never makes fun of him for no. it. Like, you can see the show is sort of setting you up to laugh at him, but yeah. but Andy never laughs at I mean, him. Andy Andy's just like, him, that's great. Yeah, Andy asks him to make something. Yeah. Which, again, like, this is like the macro when you, like, look back at Andy Griffin on the whole is, like, I wish people would actually take the lessons that Andy Griffith is imparting mm-hmm. <laughs> into themselves. It's kind of like people who troll people and have Captain America avatars on Twitter. And it's like, I don't know if Captain America would actually <laughs> uh, be that, be a misogynist aggressively. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like Andy Griffith himself was like a liberal, like open-minded free, I, I comparatively open-minded, I would say, uh, person. And I don't know if people always think of it that way. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, and you know, we were just talking about how, like, every dad in the world watched this show. Yeah. You know, not, a lot of those dads are not nearly as progressive as Andy Griffith was. No, I think that a lot of dads watch it for the uh, Gomer and Goober, totally unaware that Gomer, very gay. <laughs> Which is not subtle. No! Oh, God! Jim Davers is super gay. You'll get to that in a second. Um, so basically, like they're like, we have to work tonight because we're taking the girls out to the dance tomorrow. So we want to get everything done tonight. Um, but like Barney, he he's he's uh, worried about his blood sugar, <laughs> which is a very like again 2018 2019 concern. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, it was weird hearing someone talk about like I need to get my blood sugar up. <laughs> yeah, it feels like I don't think of that as being something that people even talked about when I was a little kid. No. Let alone, you know, 30 years before. No. And so he's like, he's got to go to the diner and get uh, a shake and like a, a hamburger with like literally every ingredient on it. You know what I'm going to get? Two chili sized burgers with chopped onions, ketchup, piccalilli and mustard, side of french fries, <laughs> a slab of rhubarb pie and a chocolate malt. How's that, Edgy? That'll lay on your chest. 
it's not a really and a, a slab of rhubarb pie. A slab, of, yeah, pie and, and it chocolate was, malt. A chocolate. It was like so much. <laughs> um, so like, as he's is it does, does he leave first? Uh, he leaves first, and yeah, then he would come. He goes out the back to because that's where the car is, and the girls come in almost oh, simultaneously. He leaves by walking towards the camera. I which, didn't even notice that. It weirds because like you know every. They're in a room on a multicam, well, on a shot multicam sitcom soundstage where the door is on the back of the far wall. But he exits the room by walking at the camera and, like, walking at presumably the door on the fourth wall that you don't see, which, like, weirdly, like, it weirded me out space wise. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is the map of the Mayberry uh, police departments? Like, what's the layout here? Uh, so he leaves, and then the two women show up. And now you said that the women are recurring characters. At this point, or did they yeah. become recurring? They, they, uh, well, wait, which which women? The, You're talking uh, about was it Helen and Thelma? Helen Lou? and Thelma Lou. Yeah, they're yeah. recurring characters. Yeah. They were Andy and, and Barney's girlfriends for much of the series. Oh, okay, okay. And is it ever explained like they're BFFs dating BFFs? <laughs> that, I mean, I think it's just one of those like things of convenience. Yeah, it's just we like... only know them as the main characters' girlfriends, so they <laughs> well, hang out together because yeah, yeah. it's easier. And they're they're the two women in the town. <laughs> yeah, they're at least the two like available and of age women. Yeah, I think um, they are. Uh, they. That's the other thing about older shows is, like, people are actually adults. Mm -hmm. Like, when you watch this and you think, like, Andy Griffith is probably... This is definitely a fact I should know. He's probably in his 40s. He might be 50. I think he's just in his... You're talking about on on this episode? Well, how old is Andy Griffith in IRL at this time? He's in his 30s, I think. really? Yeah, because I looked it up. Oh, God, that's a hard 30s. But again, like, I guess you get a, if you're like just constantly smoking cigarettes <laughs> and being around it all the time, I guess it's going to do, is Don Knotts like 29? <laughs> that would be. I think they were both in their 30s at this time, maybe late 30s. Okay. Wow. They do look a lot older than that. But, well, you know, hey, it's hard living. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody was older in the past. Yeah. Um, but it is, like, it is kind of refreshing to see shows that star, like, these are adults. Like, yeah. there is, like, even Opie is, like, a child in this show, but he, he has nothing to do in this episode. No. He's not there to be cute. He doesn't have any lines. Does he even? No, he doesn't have any lines. I don't think he has any lines. No! Um, the other thing about, about Andy's girlfriend is that she's Opie's teacher. Oh. The episode where she's introduced, because her name is Helen Crump, and there's an episode where Opie keeps complaining about old Mrs. Crump, Oh, and yeah. Barney finally meets her, and she's gorgeous, and he's yeah. like, immediately smitten with her. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so then, they're, they basically are coming because they want to go see a Cary Grant movie that's playing. And like, Cary Grant movie is playing, let's go see it right now. And like, no, we need to like get the work done tonight, because we're going to take you guys out tomorrow night, so just like, go have fun. Yeah, because tomorrow night's the dance. Tomorrow night is the dance. Which also wild it's again like this wild artifact of like i guess back in the 60s they had town dances like that was a thing uh it's very weird yeah i wonder if and this is just speculation because i don't know but I, I find myself wondering if in real life i know there were these kind of dances but it seems like they would have there would have been some organization behind them, whether it's like the Lions Club or like a yeah. church or yeah. like it wouldn't just be the town sense. dance. It seems like literally like it's just the town dance. Like the town has decided we're having a dance this night. <laughs> Everyone just yeah. come on out. I was trying to think of like what the modern equivalent of this is. And it feels like it's like, like Facebook walls. <laughs> like, I don't know. I go back when I go back to Tennessee to visit my parents who live in like Loudoun County, Tennessee. It's so like very rural. Um, 
everything's just going down on Facebook. It's like everyone's on their tablets. You know, yeah, that makes sense. The baby boomers are the people that are really addicted to screens. Yeah, no, it's totally it is true. Very true. <laughs> uh, but the screens are just bigger or have bigger <laughs> font, is the thing. So basically, like he he shoes them away, and then uh, Gomer and Gomer comes in to introduce Andy to Goober. Right. So this is Goober's debut episode. Yeah, Gomer had previously referred to his cousin Goober, mm-hmm. yeah. but he'd never shown up before. So, because you, you told me beforehand that this is Goomer's like, or this is Goomer, <laughs> this is Gomer's uh, kind of like his senior year season yeah. before he's going to graduate. The, the the season finale of the of that season, the season four of yeah. the Andy Griffith Show, is the pilot for Gomer for, Pile USMC. Yes, and which I also watched when I was a kid. Is uh, Ken Barry is not on that. Ken Barry's on Mayberry RFD. That right? sounds right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. oh yeah, because that is when Andy Griffith leaves the Andy Griffith show, and they just like yeah. Ken Barry takes over, and it becomes a different show. They retitle it. Okay, who who is in the Gomer Pyle cast? Is there anyone else noticing? Uh, no one the guy who plays the it's him, and the other main character is his drill sergeant, who's. I don't remember his name, but he is known as a comedic okay. actor. Okay. He's mainly yeah. known as Gomer Powell's drill sergeant. I should watch that at some point. So, like, this is, like, a huge debut for Goober. Yeah. Like, they're basically saying, like, here... And I looked online, like, he's in 80-something episodes. Like, he, yeah. <laughs> like they're basically like, here, get, you hope you like him. <laughs> like, <laughs> here he is. And he does nothing but impressions. Yeah. Is that his main character game of just, like, doing weird impressions? I think he becomes more of... He more fills the role of Gomer once Gomer is yeah. gone. But in this episode, he's just... He's, he's very dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. he's... Or at least he's very, um... He's not forthcoming with any depth. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> He's very protected. There's a wall up with Goober. You have to get to know him first. Uh, so yeah, Gomer, very gay. Jim Neighbors, very gay. Also, Jim Neighbors, very, like, that out as the 70s would let you be. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I was when he passed, I was reading, doing like a reading about him. Like, didn't he, like, take his partner at the time to sing the national anthem or something? Like, they referenced him? Like, something? He was basically one of those, like, Charles Nelson, Riley, Paul Lind gays of, like, everyone knows yeah, he's but, gay, but... But that was the 70s. It was the this 70s. Was the mid-60s. Yeah. I read... Th- this honestly made me really sad when I read this, that something that happened with, with uh, Jim Neighbors in the 60s is that he was buddies with Rock Hudson. Oh. They hung out in the same circles... And they never dated, but they were good friends. But then the tabloids got the idea that they were dating and started say, like reporting that there were rumors that they were dating. And apparently, uh, Jim Neighbors and Rock Hudson were like, well, we, we can't be friends anymore. We have to stop hanging out Ugh. because they think we're in a relationship and that would be bad for both of us. And also, Rock Hudson's like, I don't, you know, this is down. <laughs> no, no. Jim Neighbors is like, this is great. Rock Hudson is so hot. Um, I watched that documentary, Tab Hunter Confidential, that was on uh, Netflix. That is about, like, oh, there's a lot of that, like, mid, mid-century closeted queer just like sad like he was in a long-term relationship with um oh gosh psycho what's his name oh uh anthony perkins anthony perkins yeah and ugh, that's really sad um there's this really great episode of match game this is totally a tangent <laughs> but also most of my tangents begin with this is a really good episode of match game right. so they apparently shot match game in the same lot as the carol burnett show and they were just doing match game and then all of a sudden uh, Carol Burnett, Tim Conway, 
Vicky Lawrence and Jim Neighbors just burst on, like, just walk onto the set, being like, you guys are being too loud. Turn it <laughs> down. And everyone's like, freaks out. They, like, they start getting into, like, a fake screaming match with, like, Richard Dawson and, and Brett Summers and Charles Nsorelli. And then, like, Gene Rayburn just, like, grabs them, sits them down, hands them cards. It's like, you're going to play the next round. Jim Neighbors is wearing, like, this insane green leisure suit. And it's, like, just very extra. And it's just, ugh. It is a it's a great TV moment. Um. I think of Jim Neighbors, uh, and I feel like you you will certainly have a perspective on this. Also, <laughs> being from Tennessee, I think of Jim Neighbors as sort of the quintessential like classic Southern gay man. Oh yeah, the fact the fact that he's an amazing singer, yep, gospel like, singer usually, right? Yeah, he's into some gospel singing. Yeah, yeah, and, it's him and Leslie Jordan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I was really sad when he passed away, specifically for that fact of, like, you know, it's um, history erases gay people, queer people from history because we aren't allowed to talk about it, and so yeah. therefore history doesn't record it. And so, like, when they pass, it's always this, like, I don't know, like, you're grasping at air in a way. Like, no, mm-hmm. please don't let this dissipate. Like, please talk about how Jim Neighbors was gay. And then we get a whole lot of, like, Judy, Judy, Judy. <laughs> a lot of, um, it's, they're basically like, here's Goober, get ready, you're gonna love him, or the show is not gonna be for you anymore in a little while. Wait a minute, Andy. Close your eyes. What? Close your eyes. <laughs> Listen to this. He's gonna take off on Cary Grant. Go, Goob. Judy, 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 Judy. <laughs> Couldn't you just swear Cary Grant was right here in this room? Then they leave. Um, and then, like, the night is almost over. Or, like, no, a bunch of time passes. And Andy's like, where the F are my fries? <laughs> like, yeah. where's my hamburger? Um, and then Barney finally comes back. And he's late because he ran into some He also friends. doesn't have food. He doesn't have food either. And he ran into some friends who are the fun girls. The fun girls. Daphne and Skippy. Daphne and Skippy. Um... Basically, where's their show? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why wasn't this also a backdoor pilot for whatever? Like, Laverne and Shirley's got nothing on Daphne well, and Skippy. I feel like what we find out about their lives in this episode of the Andy Griffith Show is as much about their lives as we would be allowed to learn in yeah. 1964 on network television. They, so, like, I wrote down, they look, they both look like Jan Hooks joined the B-52s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like... Like, they both have, and I think, like, I get why you like that, because, like, they also evoke this very deep-cut X-Men shit, 80s boom-boom. Oh, yeah. Like, it's that same, like, brassy polka dots, like, swinging awesome, like, (laughs) probably definitely from the wrong side of the tracks, kind of, like, Mm -hmm. um, like, they're, like, like, boom-boom, they're... Obviously, mm-hmm. women who do not have money or come for money, but have style yeah. and have like dedicated themselves to their idea of what uh, a stylish modern lady should be. So, which one is the, so? One of them basically talks like she has a frog in her throat. That's Daphne. Yeah, the, uh, Skippy is all about like her face acting is amazing, yes. and Daphne's voice is amazing. And this was your blind date, Daphne. You remember Daphne? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, dog. And they both, like, it is such a dynamic. They 
they're also treated like a natural disaster is coming. Yes. <laughs> like, the way that Andy reacts to, like, oh, my God. They're, throughout the entire episode, he's just like, we have, like, whatever we have to do, we have to deal with these people right now. This is too much. <laughs> like, it's so, I don't know, kind of refreshing seeing uh, two um, energetic women being treated as an actual, like, viable threat, like, mm-hmm. like a viable, like, safety concern. <laughs> like, they're coming on so strong. It's really, it's really great. They start, like, making, trying to make out with them immediately. 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 Like, the one of them, which one grabs Andy? The one, uh, the, the that's, voice. uh, Daphne. Okay, Daphne, like, grabs Andy. Like, they're in the cell. It's like Barney turns around and Andy's already... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Daphne has already locked them in the cell. And then Barney's trying to get to him with the key, yeah. and Skippy keeps pulling him away. It's a good bit of physical comedy. Uh, he finally gets, like, the keys to, like, the, the, the come out. Uh, it is... It's, it's a very intense scene. And so, yeah, they... I don't know. I mean, maybe they're just girls that like to have fun. I mean, <laughs> the word the word that I always want to use for them that I don't I would never use in another context, certainly not a modern context. But the first word that comes to mind for Daphne and Skippy is floozies. Yeah, <laughs> they are very they are very they're they're floozies, definitely. Uh, like they may be they may <laughs> actually be meant to kind of be implied sex workers. I think that's a possible reading. Yeah. But there's certainly women who go out and have a good time with men and are open to whatever happens yeah. and probably are expecting uh, you know, especially because of the gender standards of the time, even if they're not sex workers, they're expecting to be taken care of in return for, <laughs> you know, being affectionate and like being someone you can go have a good time with. Yeah. <laughs> So basically, like, the whole plan is, like, let's just get them back. Let's get them home ASAP. Forget working. We just need to get them out of here. And so, Andy, they put on their jackets. They, like, usher them to the car. But while they're out getting them into the car, that is when Thelma Lou and Helen come out from the Gary Grant motion picture. Because <laughs> there was a glaring typo on that poster. Again, I think that I clocked because of IMDb. And then was like, I was expecting it to be very tiny in the background. But it is, like center frame huge yeah. like Gary Grant between their heads and probably wonders like did Cary Grant's estate be like you can't use my name like you can say well, it you know I looked in, I was curious about like if they were seeing a Cary Grant movie at this time what movie, oh, would, what it movie be? would it be it would have to be charade okay because Cary Grant was late in his career yeah, at this point he 64. was not making he was making like one movie a year yeah and charade came out in late 63 there wasn't another mm. one until Father Goose which was the very end of 64 but First of all, if it was if it was charade, like nobody ever says, you know, an Audrey Hepburn movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. And she was like super famous yeah, that, at the time. It is, that's always weird. Like when people on sitcoms go to a bar, they always order a beer. Yeah. And whenever they're going to go see a movie, they're always going to see the new actor's name movie, yeah. and yeah. which is always really funny. Uh, it's funny to me. Um, also, I wanted to know what time of day. Any of this was supposed to be because it's supposed to be like we're work like Andy very clearly said we're working late at night we are working after hours. Um, before when they talk about how uh, Barney's hungry and concerned about his blood sugar, he asks Andy what time it is, and Andy says it's almost seven. So I think the girls were going to a like seven o'clock, seven fifteen movie, yeah. and when. When Barney and Andy leave with the fun girls, and the other girls are leaving the movie, it's got to be around nine. And in East Tennessee, someone is sometimes still light at 9 p.m. Yeah. Which, especially in April, like, we're in the summer, spring, summer months, it does stay late that late. Which I remember being a kid and, like, loving that. 
this, uh, the summers in Loudon. Um, so basically, like the two, like they see Andy and Barney with these two floozies, <laughs> yeah, and the, and the fun girls are talking loudly like they're on a date because that's the way they talk yeah. all the time. Yeah, and also as far as they know, this is how all dates go. Yeah, they they meet up with the men, try to make out with them, and they're shoved in cars, <laughs> and that's how all their relationships go. Uh, so basically, they see like, oh, they couldn't go out with us because they were going out with these two, and they are not happy. Uh, misunderstanding. So then we cut to the next day, um, and Andy Griffith, or Andy Taylor, calls them wild women in a way, like his accent is so good there. Yeah. All I know is the work that was supposed to be done last night has got to be finished today. All because you brought a couple of uh, wild women in there for a visit. It always makes me think of that song, which the version I always think of is from The Muppet Show when, um... Oh, uh, Peter Sellers on the Muppet Show. He does a song in a southern accent hmm. called Cigarettes and Whiskey and Wild, Wild Women. <laughs> I, I noted that um, the outdoor set on the Andy Griffith Show is so good. Like, it's yeah. just, it, did the, well, so this is like season four of Andy Griffith, so like, it's a hit, they've got the money, mm-hmm. Desi Lou is like, cool, yeah, we'll turn our entire lot into, I guess, a back lot for... <laughs> For the Andy Griffith show, because it's like a whole town square that cars can drive through. Yeah. It's very big. We get an Aunt B scene, which I did not have in Loaded Go. Oh, yeah, she's not that one no. at all. So, what is your take on Aunt B? Well, this she's barely in this she's one. She's barely, so I'm like, scene. yeah, this is the only I chance I'm going to talk she says, about. oh, fiddlety sticks. Yeah, fiddlety sticks. <laughs> I mean, what is her game? She's just trying to get Andy to put on a tie. This is like, the girls are not going to go to the dance because yeah. they saw them and they're like, no, we're not going. Yeah. If you want to go to the dance, you take those, yeah. those fun girls. Well, yeah, titular line goes to, is it Helen or Thelma Lou gets the titular line? I think so, it's yeah. Thelma Lou who says that. Shouldn't be hard for you to get yourselves another date. Why didn't you take the two young ladies who were with you last night when you were working? They look like fun girls. Yeah, and... Yeah, so they say they have other dates. So we find out when we get to the dance who their other dates are. Yeah, it's like, of course, it's like, well, there's only been like six people in this episode. Of course, it's Gober and Goober. So basically, Ambie's like, no, you're going to go to the date. She's trying to get him to like put on a tie. Uh, and then Barney finally shows up and he's like, no, we're going to go. And Andy's like, I don't want to go and just stand in like the stag line with old. Is old Ben Schwump. Is that an actual character? I, we see him at the dance, but I don't think he's a recurring character. Okay, I think okay. he's just a joke for this Because I did like that at the end when they... So, like, the very end when um, Barney says, I want to go back and see if Otis has, like, locked himself in for the night. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's a really cool, like, world-building thing of, like, they're referencing Otis, who you don't see in this episode yeah. at all. But he's referenced, which is really interesting. Um, and then Barney's like, no, we got dates. And he snaps, and they come running. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about the clothes that the men wear to the dance. Yeah, please. Uh, I don't know if, if this was your thought, but looking at what everyone else is wearing, Andy Taylor is the most stylish man in Mayberry. Yeah. Like, that yeah. tie is as narrow as a tie has ever been. Mm-hmm. His lapels are narrow, too. It's like the, like... I feel like it's the really good 1964 suit. Yeah, it when everyone else is wearing that, there's like that really standard southern suit. It's like kind of oversized. The pants are up real high. Yeah, that's like the pork pie hat kind like, of deal. Like what uh, what Barney's wearing. Yeah, or, but of or, course Barney has a has a bow tie. Which oh, is a very right, yeah. Don choice. And then yeah. when we see. Uh, Goober and Gomer at the dance. They have like very like 1940s looking suits. Yeah. 
that they probably, you know, because they're like hillbillies, they probably are wearing like their dad's suits. And they have like super wide ties. And yeah. Like, and Andy's very like, it's a Don Draper moment, kind of. <laughs> uh, when they, so they like run in and, um, is it, so, uh, Snappy? No, what's her name? Skippy. Skippy. Skippy's the one with the face. Yeah. Face and voice. Face is the one that has, isn't it, it has a really great line, like they meet Opie. Like, oh. oh, he's adorable. Oh. <laughs> Hello, sweetheart. You gonna be a sheriff when you grow up, too? Oh, no, Dad. You know how that works. The son of a cop is usually a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a great line. The horror on Aunt B's face <laughs> yeah. when she sees the fun girls. Uh. And then when they start interacting with Opie, and she literally takes Opie like by his collar yeah. and pulls him out of the room. I, I love... That was a really, really good line. And also um, indicates the kind of circles the fun girls run in that they know that like yeah. that cops kids usually well, turn out to be gangsters. Earlier when they're in the jail, one of them says, "I've never been to jail except to visit friends." Yeah, <laughs> that is weird. They like Barney's like, "Well, they wanted to see a jail cell." <laughs> it's like weird. So then we get to the dance. Uh, we do we kind of gloss over. Um, Barney really twisting Andy's arm to like make this happen. Like, I guess it's kind of like what we get the plot's got to make it happen. Yeah. Um, well, so- <clears throat> there's sort of a thing about like manners, I feel like, because the mm. whole thing with the fun girls is that they, they don't have conventional manners. Right. And part of that is that they're really pushy. But like Andy and Barney have really good manners. So when the girls are pushy, they can't. They, yeah, yeah. How, how they could can they? never be like, no, we're not doing that. Go home. Yeah. Well, even like in the dance scene. Instead of actually being like, no, cool, bye, they have to like go and concoct this elaborate thing of like, hey, can you just do a thing where you like, when you stop playing the music, we'll switch partners. So we get to the dance, and that's when we find out who uh, Helen and Thelma cats are playing, or um, they're with, and they're with Goober and Gomer, and I wrote that they are slumming it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, is Gomer a catch? Not for a lady. No, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I wrote down like they in this episode again. Like, well, also, also, this is the only episode they appear in together. Is another trivia fact. I'm just spoiling uh, the trivia section. Uh, so I wrote down they have a very Laryl, Larry, Daryl, and Daryl vibe. They totally do. Like, and it's mainly because Gomer is the one that's doing all the talking, and he's I mean, he's not like erudite or anything because like Larry actually is a very, like, eloquent speaker at times with his, like, really thick southern accent. But, like, Gomer is the one who, like, can read social cues sort of and talk and is kind of, like, the mediator for Goober, who is a goober. Goober only does bits. He He doesn't have conversations. He He just does bits. He has no lines. And even when they're, um, talking... Except for yo. Yeah, yo. Like, that's how this scene starts. Like, that's how he says yes, yo. Uh, and basically, uh, Gomer's trying to get Goober to do all the same bits again, and the girls are like, not happy. They're like, oh, God. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, I wrote down th- this one. This is like the most dad show ever. Like, just watching it, it's just so, like, it's so very dad, like, baby boomer dads, which made me wonder what is the show for, like, 30 something dads? Like, what is the Andy Griffith for dads that are, like, dads right now? Is it, like, two and a half men? I, like, I want to say it's... Sports? Is it wrestling? 
I want to say, I mean, as, as far as like sitcoms anyway, I was going to say The Office. Oh, yep, like, it is. Yeah, like most, it, yeah. I mean, most people yeah. watch and rewatch The Office now. Yeah. And I feel like especially like uh, straight men that I know, like mm-hmm. the number one sitcom that they'll like go to and rewatch is The Office. That is, how often do you rewatch The Office? I've rewatched, I've rewatched it all the way through maybe, tw- well, I probably only watched it all the way to the last episode of the last season, like once. Yeah, but yeah, I've rewatched yeah. big chunks of it, like, I don't know, two or three times in the yeah. past, like, few years. It's not, because, like, that is, all my Tennessee friends, that is their go to. But, like, in this house, in my house, we rewatch uh, 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, um, It's Always Sunny. Like, those are the ones that we rewatch or just have on. Mm-hmm. Or, like, Friends in Seinfeld. Like, my husband is usually one that gets in the kicks of rewatching things. All right now, we're, we are rewatching Veep. Like, yeah. The Office, even though I love The Office, is not one that we return to. Well, I have a really strong... Can I share with you briefly my, my theory about The Office? Yo, because please. I feel very strongly about it. And because this, this... I'll never get a chance to talk about it. I was going to say, since this <laughs> podcast is specific to the 20th century. It'll never... Yeah. You'll never have an episode. <laughs> but um, the thing about The Office is The Office is a really great show. And it ends... The arc, not that there aren't good episodes after it, because right. there are, especially in the, for the next couple seasons, but the arc of The Office ends at the end of season three. Mm-hmm. The story that the show is telling is over when Michael doesn't get the promotion and Jim comes in during Pam's mm-hmm. interview and asks her on a date. Yeah. That's the end of the show. Yeah. Everything after that is just extra. It's yeah. like it's like Andy Griffith's show after after Barney mm-hmm. leaves. Or I mean, like, because that is that's honestly like the arc of the British version. Like, because the yeah. last episode, of, well, until you get no, it's even that's even the same with the Chris the holiday specials of the UK version. Like, you never see Tim and Dawn get together together and be together. Like the holiday specials when she opens up the gift and he got her like paint like like <laughs> markers or something like he got her an art gift yeah, like that. Yeah. But like that is the season three finale, and so there's still great episodes after that, but. They had to start and like, lining new things. Yeah, the, the those first three seasons, it, the, the show's really about something because every yeah. main character wants something they cannot have. Jim yeah. wants Pam. Pam wants to be with someone who loves her and cares about her. Yeah, and like Michael wants to be a part of human society, <laughs> and Dwight wants to be respected. Yeah, and like after that, it just becomes about whatever. Because even like Michael and Dwight, after that, like Michael starts having relationships and like yeah. becomes a more grounded person, <laughs> and and Dwight starts becoming human too. Yeah, it's I do think that uh, the Office definitely has that same Andy Griffith show vibe for people that are in their thirties. Uh, also because like that more accurately mirrors what life is right now. Mm -hmm. My office moved to the sales floor. So now I like sit on a very, like before we're in editorial. So it was like a whole bunch of editorial people and editorial people are, and I'm one. So I'm speaking of myself, insane, (laughs) like (laughs) dress crazy, loud, always stressed. And now we're on the sales finance HR floor. And it's like, those Mm. people are. Nine to five, casual Friday, <laughs> like you know right, that yeah, kind of vibe, yeah. um, and it's very different. And I think that the office really taps into that. I'm glad that we sussed that out because that was a question I had on my thing. Um, so this is when Andy is like, "Well, I can't obviously say no to these women. I have to concoct an elaborate ruse." <laughs> he goes up <laughs> to the band leader and whispers in his ear, and then the band leader is like. So whenever we stop playing the music, everyone find new partners, and then we just get a nice kind of like do si do like dance 
physical comedy bit of all of them switching partners. And yeah. you get really good face acting mm-hmm. from both Andy and uh, uh, Don Knotts. Yeah, when they're par- when they're paired with women, they're uncomfortable. With. There's a couple of really great female extras in this scene too, because mm-hmm. in between like escaping the fun girls and getting back to their girlfriends, Andy dances with like the tiniest adult woman in the world, yeah. and Barney yeah. dances with this like really tall auntie. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good it's a really good scene, and they do a really good job with really filling out the vibe. Again, mm-hmm. like when you think like this was filmed in Los Angeles. It still feels very North Carolina. Yeah. With those set, the set decoration and the... It also feels very much like the North Carolina I grew up in in the 80s. And like, <laughs> or the Tennessee I grew up in in the 80s and 90s. Like, I see, like, old cars like that. And it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, those were just around. Yeah. Like, when I would go back to, like, Red Boil in Springs, Kentucky, like, where my mom grew up, or even, like, Loudoun, it's like, yeah, those, like... Mayberry is not that far removed from certain parts. No, not at all. <laughs> at all. And the, the fun girls comment on it, too, when they come into the dance. It's a real square dance. Yeah. Uh, and one of them says it's like what they'd have at one of those friendship clubs, which yeah. I, don't, I don't have any ideas. But what is a friendship club? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, is Mount Pilots? Is that where they're from? Mm-hmm. Mount Pil- is that like a city? Like, what is- it's supposed to be bigger than Mayberry. It's okay. also fictional. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, okay. the it's idea just... is that it's like, I don't think, because they talk about, I think it's Raleigh, I think mm-hmm. it's the closest real big city. That's where Andy's from. Uh, right? I think Andy Griffith's really from. He's from the area, but he's from a town called Mount Airy, which is oh. a little town. But, um, but yeah, Mount Pilot is supposed to be bigger than Mayberry, but it's not like a city. It's still... Yeah. So they're not they're they're big city girls by comparison. Yeah, like like Mount Pilot, as we saw in their first appearance, Mount Pilot has a twenty four hour diner. Maybe Which, probably does not have no. a twenty four hour diner. No, or it's probably operating the honor system. Like, okay, guys, <laughs> y'all just lock up when when right. you leave because that's how Mary is. So it kind of works like by when they're doing their like partner swapping, they get partnered with their girlfriends and can like apologize. Andy like actually like pulls. Uh, his hell, Helen, 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 and pulls her away, and actually explains. And it's very, very nice that they actually there's no misunderstanding after they just like talk. Yeah, yeah. it isn't doesn't continue. It doesn't become like a we were on a break kind of thing. <laughs> um, so it's very nice. Uh, then is it when they go back? Well, I wanted to mention that Barney doesn't just apologize. He tells Thelma Louise oh, right. for what really seems like the first time. Yeah. Is it the first time? I mean, I, I, mean, I haven't like watched time. enough of the show to be sure, it's but that's really the reaction. Yeah, because he's like saying it. Like, you know you're the only girl I care anything about. I mean, you're the only one I really, well, love. What? I said you're the only girl I love. I can't hear you. You're the only girl I um, the end of the episode is them going back. Is it them? Oh no, it's is it? No, it's, it's the same night. Like, yeah, because they drop the they, they drop, drop yeah their uh, girlfriends off. Yeah, and then they because the fun girls are now with Goober and Gomer. Ladies yeah. love cool Gomer. <laughs> right, like, because all the fun girls want to do is like laugh at anything a man does. Yeah, and that and like all. All Gomer <laughs> wants to do is like, for people to laugh at Goober, yeah. and all Goober wants is to be laughed at. So it works it's out great. Perfect. It is perfect. So they're just like driving back. Uh, Barney's like, I want to see if Otis like locked himself in for the night. They go like, Oh, did you leave the lights on? It's like, Oh yeah, I left them off for Otis. They go in, and I wrote like, There, there's you hear a surprise yelled, and I wrote like, This is hell. <laughs> like if I walked into a place and I saw Goober, Goober, Gomer, and those two women. <laughs> 
and I was Andy Taylor, I'd be like, this is a personal hell. <laughs> like, get me out of this. They're both in there because they wanted to, like, party still. They wanted to keep it going, right? Or, like... Well, I, that's sort of the implication, yeah. but Gomer says, uh, we brought your girls back for Yeah, ugh. And so it's like, no, gotta drive them back. And, uh, that is, like, that's it. That is a tiny, that's a tonal difference from, uh, Loaded Goat. <laughs> I guess, like, you could say Andy Griffith, you know, runs the gamut. Yeah, for sure. Of kinds of episodes. And it's also interesting to note the structure of this. Again, like, before they invented the ABC plot structure that, like, Cheers really perfected. Like, we have that sewing thing up top that doesn't come back. Mm. Like, there's no other references to it. It's more like just giving them business. And I guess, like, the Gober, the Gober and Goomer, Gober, whatever... The, the pile cousins. Yeah, the pile cousins, like their whole bit was really, you know, we need they needed that extra pair in there to like do the swapping out later during the dance. So yeah. That made sense. But all of this Carrie Grant impression stuff was like, we got time to kill. Like, <laughs> it just and also you're now basically a series regular, so I mean is Goober in the rest of season season four? There's or? only a few more episodes, and this oh, is right. his only appearance in, yeah. in season four, and then he starts at the beginning then, of season five. And then so I guess when Don Knotts leaves, they really start leaning on Goober. Yeah. Yeah. Because who else? I mean, he And Goober a... doesn't have his hat yet in this episode. That was also interesting. Because he wears the, like, the same hat the as The Jughead hat. Yeah. He was wearing just like a, like a, well, he, for a lot of it, he didn't, wasn't wearing a hat, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it was very interesting. Um, also, so young. I'm used to seeing photos of all of them when they're older. I guess because I, I mostly recognize Goober from color promo photos, and he mm-hmm. looks so much older in those. I was like, he looks so young. In this, and it's only like three years earlier. <laughs> so again, hard living. <laughs> Are you ready for some must-have facts? Yes. Okay. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So the ratings for this very hard to find out, but uh, an estimated twenty nine point four million people watched this. Uh, the season, okay, that's the season ranking, which is again a lot, but. For the again for the season for the sixty three six four TV season, the Andy Griffith Show was ranked fifth. Uh, the top five shows of that season were number five Andy Griffith Show, four Petticoat Junction, three The Dick Van Dyke Show, two Bonanza, and number one The Beverly Hillbillies. It's interesting that the like we were talking about earlier about how this is such a more uh, down 
yeah. down to earth depiction of of hillbillies, and it's interesting that the cartoonish hillbillies are beating them on two shows. Yeah, it's like Pennyco Junction and Beverly Hillbillies are like one and two. I'm sure Green Acres is like coming up. No, Green Acres was never never big in the ratings. Um, but I wonder. Um, problem is like, is that because Yankees like? <laughs> it's like Southern people related to Andy Griffith like more, but then like Yankees probably liked making fun of us more. <laughs> also, I grew up where Yankee was a li- was a literal derogatory term. Like, yeah, it pretty much was when I grew up too. And I feel like actual people from the North think it's funny, <laughs> and I'm like, no, where I'm from, like if we were cu- if my parents were cut off by someone with like a New York license plate, it would be like, oh, those Yankees, like <laughs> it was really like they were serious. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> Um, so the CBS Monday Night lineup uh, was a fucking epic lineup. Uh, so started with an hour of game shows to tell the truth and I've got a secret. And then an hour and a half of comedies, the Lucy show, the Danny Thomas show, the Andy Griffith show, and then a drama that only lasted one season, East Side, West Side. So that's like, that is so, that's an interesting lineup, I guess. I mean, Andy Griffith is the only Southern show. On CBS that night, uh, I guess because Beverly Hillbillies was also a CBS show. I think CBS had all of the Southern shows. Interesting. I think they did because CBS canceled all of them when All in the Family and Mary Tyler Moore hit. I think. I feel like yeah. Huh. That's I, I've written an article about this, so I should <laughs> know. Um, it's the only episode with Goober and Gomer in it. Goober debuts. He was mentioned in 1962 episode, and I talked about how that newspaper on the back wall. Was what's a callback to episode four thirteen? So fourteen episodes earlier on IMDb, two hundred and two users rated this an eight point seven out of ten. Would you go higher, lower? Is that right on the money? Um, I mean that's that's pretty good. There's it's not flawless, but it's a very good episode of yeah nineteen sixties television. Oh yeah, I mean I say like a solid eight is really like it's a definite good episode of the show. Uh, it, is, it is very much a 1960s episode of television, where it's kind of like you got 25 minutes, you know, just yeah. well, you know, hang, just hang out. Something but, that I thought of when I watched this episode is that it's structurally it's very much like a like a sex farce, mm-hmm. except oh, it's yeah, 1964, yeah. so nobody can even imply sex. No, not at all, not at all, <laughs> or even like really like no kissing. Yeah. It's again like Andy and Barney's relationship with Helen and Thelma is very like. Archie Jugget. Like, it's very, like, like, we're going to go to the dance. We're going to go to the movies. Like, these are 30-year-old people. (laughs) Right. And that's the thing is, like, I have to believe. I don't know, like... Obviously, these these characters are like way older than like my parents or your parents. So, I don't don't know people who were in that, like, time and place. But I have to believe that that Andy and Helen would have been sleeping together in real life yeah, in 1964, yeah, right. right? Like, they're they're grown adults with jobs. He's a widower. Like, there's yeah. ob- they would be having what we understand as an adult relationship. Yeah. But because it's on TV, like, the good girls are chased, and they take them home and wave goodnight to them. Yep. The and also, they're like, they, and even, and, well, I could also imagine maybe, like, socially they couldn't talk about it, but everyone assumed, well, obviously they're fucking, but, like, they're not going to talk about it because, mm. you know... Jesus. <laughs> uh, who had the must-see Another thing that never gets talked about on the Andy Griffith show. Yeah, which is very... Did they go to church on it? I don't remember that ever happening. Like, it might have... There might have been episodes... Yeah, because I, can, church, I but... feel like Barney could get up to some antics in a church. <laughs> <laughs> who had the must-see performance in this episode? I mean... 
There's so many good performances. I feel like it's almost always uh, Don Knotts. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, and I haven't mentioned this yet on this episode, but I have a I'm biased because I share an alma mater with Don Knotts. Oh. We both graduated from the theater department of West Virginia University. Oh, nice. Um, Are they very into that? Like, like apparently, when I went when when I was there, there was a road, there was a Don Knotts Boulevard in town, but there was not a statue. Apparently, now there's a Don Knotts statue. Why wouldn't that be up there in 1970? Like, even before <laughs> Three's Company happens, it's like get that up. It's Don Knotts. Like that is I uh I don't have anyone close to that level of famous from Middle Tennessee State University. Um. <laughs> Al, Al Gore has something to do with my college, but I don't think he actually went there because it's not a prestigious school. Um, uh, I would give it, I would probably give it to the fun girls. I'll break my rules and give it to both of them because in my head, they're, they're both really good. They're also like, they're, they're fulfilling the same role. <laughs> like, yeah. They're very the face good. face and the voice. Yeah. Face and the voice. Uh, must other people see this episode? I. Uh... I'm going to say yes. I mean, you have to sort of come at it with an understanding of what TV was like in 1964, but it's such good comedy. Like, it's very sharp. Yeah, and and it's just really, it's really nice to see physical performances that, I don't know, there's a joy you get when you watch a good Looney Tune, or even like, okay, Mm -hmm. for newer audiences, when you can watch one of those like Pixar shorts. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's something really pure about like visual storytelling that you get lost in a lot of, like, writerly shows. And, like, TV nowadays is very writery, which is, like, I'm a writer. I'm bored. But there's something very, very satisfying about just watching a master like Don Knotts. And also, Andy Griffith has some really good, good facial expressions. Oh, yes. Uh, it's really great watching them work. And then also seeing unsung, I'm assuming lost to history women like those fun girls whose names I don't know. <laughs> so I'm not helping them... Uh, in terms of being lost in history. Um, let's pull from the great TV sitcom book, which I never remember to get out before we start. This is a textbook size green book that has capsule entries for shows ranging from hits to one season wonders from 1949 to 1983. Pick a year, and we'll read about one. Um, well, I was thinking, I didn't know what years it was, I'd forgotten what years it was going to be, and I wanted to do something that was around when I was a little kid. So let's go 1983. 83. Yeah. Do you want to hear about It Takes Two, Mama's Family, uh, The New Odd Couple, or New Heart? Well... I mean, I already know about Mama's Family and Newhart. Yeah, I like this is this ends right here. So as far as this book is concerned, these are like who knows. I'm a little curious about the new Odd Couple. It yeah. sounds like it. I mean, they've done it since then, and it hasn't been a good idea then. Oh yeah, get ready. So uh, a reminder, as always, that Rick Mitz has a feisty personality, and this was written in the early '80s. Shortly after ABC announced they were remaking the sitcom The Odd Couple with a black Oscar and Felix, the playwright Neil Simon announced he was reviving the stage version of The Odd Couple with a female duo. What can we expect next? An all-gay, Hispanic, quadriplegic, diabetic, one-of-the-above, all-of-the-above cast? Ugh. At any rate, this Odd Couple was just like the 1970-71 season Odd Couple, except in blackface. 
It was weird. played by actual black people, though. So okay. that's I, that you worried yeah. me for a minute. Yeah, like 1983. Uh, no, that's that's Rick, that's Rick Mint saying, except in blackface. In fact, some of the scripts and stories were the same. The changes: Felix Ron Glass, formerly of Barney Miller, future of Firefly, right. spelling, is less persnickety and does more fashion photography, and fewer bar mitzvahs and weddings. Oscar. Demond Wilson, formerly the formerly son in Sanford and Son, is the same uh, sports writer and a slob. And the year is now 1982, not, not 1970. So, it did not last. <laughs> uh, also, the aggressive dismissiveness of doing <laughs> of doing a new Odd Couple and making it not two white guys. Very uh, interesting. But it's a good cast. Yeah, those, like, those guys are yeah. both good actors. It's weird that I only know one of them from later and one of them from earlier. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to picture them together. Yeah, that is. It's like I'm basically picturing another Sanford and Son in a way. <laughs> it's like I think Ron Glass. Oh, what was his name? Shepard? Yeah. On Firefly? Uh, or Book. Shepard Book. Shepard Book. We got both of them eventually. I've not watched Firefly in a long time because I'm not I, one of those people. I No, I'm not. <laughs> It is my least favorite Joss... Well, Dollhouse is my least favorite Joss Whedon thing. But that barely even counts. Yeah, but yeah, well... I mean, well, I guess in that case, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is my least favorite Joss Whedon thing. <laughs> he wrote an episode. Um, I don't know, like, I think The Odd Couple is such a solid uh, premise for a show, which is obviously why they just did a reboot of it with Thomas Lennon and Matthew Perry that went, like, four or five seasons. Like, it's, it's mm-hmm. off now, but it went for... I mean, I think it's it amazing might... how there's so much TV on now that there can be things that you just don't, just not on your radar at all. No, I mean, oh god, I mean, okay, that sh- that so the, at work I discovered that the zombie show Z Nation was on for five years, four or five years on Sci-Fi. Yeah, and I, I had no idea the show was a thing, and now I just learned that it went for like sixty episodes. Yeah, like I do. We didn't mention this at the top, but I do a column for Sci-Fi Wire where oh, I right. fantasy cast movies, so I'm always looking up actors. And a lot of times I'm like, what's their most recent thing? Because I know them from something 10 years ago, but I have to put something in parentheses yeah. after their name. Yeah. And there was something, I forget now what actor it was, but he had been on a cable drama about the building of the railroads in the U.S. <laughs> like Wait, a historical was that like drama? one of those like WGN originals? Because like, there's a lot of like those. That, and I'm like... How like how are these shows just ha- going yeah. on all the time? Well, and a lot of them like so. There's a lot of like Canadian originals that like Christopher Lloyd is a regular on some like Canadian show, and he, I was like, oh, he's been doing that. Like what? I thought he was just really old and barely working. No, he is apparently still around. It's so weird. So I mean, like, okay, if you were gonna do a new, 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 new odd couple, who would you cast? What would you want to see on a new, new odd couple for 2019? Well, I mean, my first thought is that I think you do want to do the gay odd couple. Now, yeah, or right? I mean, do you want to go full gay diabetic quadriplegic <laughs> as Rick Mitz? Uh, I think we'll start with just gay. <laughs> Although, wait, wait, wait. I was gonna say gay, but they're definitely they're not a couple. They're still the odd couple they're yeah. just roommates so what if it's a gay man and a lesbian oh okay uh, who are yeah. the odd couple and I think I want the gay man to be the sloppy exactly. one just yeah. to avoid stereotyping yeah. but also like that's it's again there's the thing of uh, just getting more variety on television because mm-hmm. we're at the point where there's still like there's a lot more queer representation on TV than there was a year ago five years ago it's getting incrementally better, but it's still, like, not a lot. And so yeah. you're still, like, you don't want two of the exact same. <laughs> I think, just off the top of my head, I think uh, uh, Cameron Esposito yep, could be really good as the the meticulous, uh, yeah. like, fastidious oh, character. Oh, that would be really good. 
And then uh, I'm not sure about the guy. But... I don't know. I always want to cast Dave Holmes in things, even though I don't know if he really acts anymore. <laughs> but I just, uh, when I did my, I recast Mary Tyler Moore show in my head. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, on, it was published on Tumblr. And then I pitched <laughs> it at work and they were like, no, there's no audience for this. <laughs> um but like I, I have the only audience for that. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah, I've I've collected them. Yeah, they're they're all mine. Well, you usually do. You do a lot of like big franchise. Yeah, I do fun, a lot. Yeah. Of, I do a lot of comic books. Sometimes I do like I do things just to make nerds mad. Like when I recast Back to the Future entirely with queer women. Yeah, <laughs> See, that's fun. I wanted to do that with sitcoms. Like I was recasting Mary Tyler Moore, and it's like Ellie Kemper is the new Mary Tyler Moore. Alana yeah, Glazer is the new Rhoda. Claudia O'Darty is the new Georgette. I uh, put John Cho as the new Ted. Um, Nick Offerman is, of course, the new Lou Grant. Dave Holmes would be the new Murray. Um, oh, and I had um, oh God, what's her name? Oh, um, Catherine Hahn as the new Phyllis oh, Lindstrom. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, will probably get a new odd couple. It's such a good format mm-hmm. that you can just like mix anyone into it and it'll I work. mean it's such a like the you know sloppy person and the and the yeah. neat person is like is mixed into everything i mean like yeah. like danny tanner and and, and joey's yep. you know they're uh, a couple there's just a million other things on that show monica and rachel yeah even. like monica and joey monica and phoebe monica is <laughs> a lot Mon- monica is just a, a freelance felix yeah a lot of a lot of monica plots in the last half of friends um I love the original Odd Couple, and at some point, I'm actually going to do one on this show, I swear. Because <laughs> I love the original Odd Couple. Uh, thank you so much for coming by and making me do a not-insane episode of The Andy Griffith Show. I, I, was, I was happy to, to correct that. that doesn't involve uh, goats with bad digestive problems. <laughs> uh, where can people find you on the internet if they want to talk about The Andy Griffith Show? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at another L. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at another L, but that's mostly pictures of my cat. But Which, some people like those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah! And that does it for this week's episode of Must Have Seen TV. Thanks again to my guest, L. Collins, for dropping by and talking about the Andy Griffith Show with me. Next time, I'll be discussing the Dharma and Greg episode, Invasion of the Buddy Snatcher. Invasion of the Buddy Snatcher is in Season 1 of Dharma and Greg, and it is Episode 23 of Season 1. You can stream Dharma and Greg on Hulu. Until then, I want to hear from all of you. Please tweet questions, about comments, anything about sitcoms to at MustHaveSeenTV on Twitter. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook and Tumblr at at MustHaveSeenTV. If you like what we've heard, please rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brett White. Read the words that I write at Decider.com. The theme song is Apollo Throwdown by The Go Team. Thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Thanks to everyone for listening. And I'll see you next time on Must Have Seen TV. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.